Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show, show number 27. And I have an awesome guest today. Uh, I met him, I think, around 2007. Uh, he's from Indiana. Uh, no, you're from Indiana. Yes, Indiana. I'm, I'm already messing this up, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. After 27 shows, you figure I, I'd already have this down pat. But he's from Indiana. Um, he dropped me his CD, his very first CD. Well, not his first CD, but this first CD that I heard him on, Fly Your Favorite. It's a fly your favorite or fly our favorite or fly. It's it's it can be pronounced either way. That was the point of mushing the words together. The mushing the words together. Okay. So and then, you know, uh, I did a review in in Insomnia (laughs) magazine. So I want to welcome I.D. Obelus. What's up, my brother? What's up? Hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and correct you there because everybody does this and it's no, no, no harm, no foul. It's pronounced id as one word, obelus. It obelis, okay. It obelis, yeah. It's not an act. Well, it, it was an acronym, but it's always been pronounced it. Okay, uh, so it's it. Damn, I've been saying that wrong no, for it's years. All, yeah, and even some homies. Right. <laughs> like, and you're a homie. Yeah, lots of people. But, you know, I'm no, but I mean, if you see it online, the easier rap name. That's for sure. <laughs> no, but it's <laughs> but online. Sometimes it'll be I dot D dot in certain like interviews that you've done in the past. Real. It'll be I dot. D dot and then I, I thought it was separate, but my bad, bro. So it's it obelis. It gotcha. obelis. It obelis. Yep. Okay, it obelis. <laughs> obelis. I gotta get this shit right, man. That's <laughs> no, all good, man. It's all good. Like I said, lot lots of people. It it's meant to be butchered, I guess. So So you're you're an MC rapper slash label owner of, of audio recon and you're an art archivist, right? Yeah, that okay. sounds good. <laughs> So, Id Obelis, could you please go into, uh, and don't leave any details out, your origin story. Like, how did this all start for you, and what led you on the path you are currently on? Uh, well, yeah, uh, it's, it's I started getting into hip-hop in the early to mid-80s. So, grew, I grew up here in Indiana, rural Indiana, to be precise, and like in the north-central part of Indiana. Right. Um, so, not not a lot of hip-hop uh, around here. Uh, I don't to be honest, I think I first I heard, first heard rapping on like the breakdance right when break breaking was being uh you know commercialized and getting watered down versions started to to pop up in the you know commercials and shit in the early 80s so that dates me a little bit I I'm uh, I was born in 75 so uh my first rap tape was was Run DMC Raising Hell which you know was the big crossover for rap music I think was when it started to reach into the the far reaches of all of the all of North North America. So yeah, I just started. I became infatuated with rap and hip hop at a very early age. It was one of just a handful of kids in my small hometown that actually got into rap music. It's kind of an outsider for it, and, and got a lot of backlash from the the hillbillies in uh, my neck of the woods. But uh, I just you know here here I am three decades later just still obsessed with the stuff uh it obelisk came to i came to i landed on that rap name many many years after you know different variations of of rap names that uh when the internet started changing the the, you know the forefront of music and started discovering music online i i originally went by infrared doses and uh that was just a play off of a grateful dead song infrared roses and in college i was that was nicknamed doses for reasons we won't get into. <laughs> right. Uh, and so anyway, you I, get I into them on, if you want. 
Yeah, it's, it, <laughs> we're just, we're just, <laughs> doses was, uh, yeah, just, we were in a, there was a lot of psychedelics and, and, uh, we're dealt with in, in college. And, and oh, you're good, bro. I'm, I'm looking into psychedelics actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely have some positive, uh, I think at that, someone wrote a song about when you're, you know, young and doing that sort of thing, you don't really, get the full effects of it because your brain's developing and you're you're not ready for it so but i mean i think it did change the way my perspective on on you know just my outlook on life and i I feel it made me a better person as far as uh the way i i view the the world uh i'm more open-minded i feel like that it's it's shaped the way i listen to music and and appreciate art so so yeah i mean it it definitely has you know i've you know some benefits for sure um but when you're a young kid, I don't know if you're truly ready to receive all the benefits it can give you, you know, your mind's not really developed, developing. So, right. You're not mature enough. Right. So anyway, yeah. So that, that's how I got into hip hop was just, uh, Yom TV raps and, and any, I growing up in a very small rural town, I would just kind of look at the tape section and, and find names that popped out like, Oh, that's gotta be a rap dude. You know, it's, it's got an MC in front of his name or, right or d at the end of his name you know uh, so uh and i i go down rabbit holes of of all types of rap music the, of of what i liked you know you know the early 80s the new york stuff was you know popping off uh eric b rock him big daddy kane i was freaking i was a fan member of the juice crew all-stars no way and i'd get like their gear in the mail and shit so i'd be i'd you know look at cassettes and and join the you know join the mailing list of any any rap i was into and i was into pretty much everything and all of it even even down to the miami bass stuff when you know two life crew popped off right um, right like i was telling you early before we started this uh we'd go down to florida in the summers my dad was uh him and his homies were into scuba diving they we would go down to the keys and uh they would they would dive for lobsters and bring them back here to to sell and it would pay for their vacation for the the summer they you know go down there for a week in the summer and he my dad was the only one with kids so me and my older brother would go down there and me being a rap head i'd hear like the the shit they were playing uh uh you know at the pool hall at the campground we stayed at and it was like the miami bay shit the gucci crew twos and 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 that sort of shit and i you know because it was rap i dug it right so I'd, I'd go down those rabbit holes so anyway i don't know so that's if <laughs> you said leave no to- stone on no no but yeah if you if you could go into more detail go into more detail but if, you, if that's all you got then then we'll move on to the next part <laughs> yeah 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 man so anyway here i am yeah 40 sorry 30 years later 47 years old and still still into this rap shit and still <laughs> dabbling into it myself and, and obviously the i run this label it's more about putting out the music I'm into uh, and, you know, trying to support artists that I feel uh, deserve to be doing this full time and, and trying to help them bring their music to physical format. So. Right. So, so your, your approach when you first started rapping, was that the same like it is now to kind of like just do music for you, do art for you rather than just do follow what everybody else is doing? Oh no, not necessarily. I mean, I th- I mean, I started rapping, and say the first shit I did was around '86 or so, and it was uh, a homie of mine from school, and we had no gear. We we would like literally make beats 
banging on the floor and, and you know, picking a boom box and hitting record. And uh, I was emulating what I was listening to. You know, I was trying to be Houdini or I was trying to be, you know, Gucci Crew 2 or, or whatever. I, even, you know, at that age, 12, 13 years old, I was, you know, listening to stuff that had explicit lyrics would be like, ah, oh, you know, you know, you were, you were, you were unveiling this world of stuff that you, you know, was kind of secretive. And so like we would do, you know, cheesy, dirty raps, just emulating what we're into. So it was, it was a, the growing process. You started out just kind of trying to imitate. And then I think it was, it was years later, probably took a decade before I started to trying to push the boundaries of, 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 of music and just be more and be more myself, you know, look, deep within and, and try to make music for me and only me, you know, and then, and if people appreciate that, then it's been great. So it took a lot of growing to get to that point though, for sure. Right. So um, when you were coming up, was there a, a scene like that was developing or there was no scene at all? Cause, uh, okay. So there's two, there's two groups or th- I want to say there's one group for sure from Indianapolis, Indiana called the mud kids. I don't know if you know who they are. Yep. And I didn't catch them till later. I didn't catch them until like late nineties, early two thousands. And then there was another. I don't know if it, it was one guy, um, DJ Paranorm and Strict Nine. Yep, they're from Gary, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's that. You are you sure about that? Because I thought maybe South Bend, but I'm, I, I don't, I don't know them personally, but I'm familiar with their music. Right. Uh, they because they've had that thing on uh, Grand Royal, right? They had a single on Grand yeah. Royal, right? Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure the dude was. I thought he was from South Bend, but yeah. And the uh, and the Mud Kids were the Indiana rap group uh, in the mid '90s, I should say, or mid to late '90s. Right. Uh, so was there was there any like was there like a scene blowing up that you that you were. So like I said, I came from rural Indiana, so I right. was never involved in any scenes coming up in the '80s. Listening to rap music, it was just me and my buddy that liked rap. A couple buddies, uh, but me and one, my best friend in particular, that that tried to make music. And I'm say try to make music because we right. would definitely. I would never, <laughs> I would never want to anybody to hear what we were we were coming up with at, at that young tender age. When I started actually recording music and. And, and trying to push it online and, and taking it seriously was, was until like 99 ish or so. Right. Uh, and it, even then I was more of a bedroom MC. I think when we first met, I think I probably was just starting to get some, uh, you know, get noticed by others in my state and starting to get invited to play some shows and, 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 right. and such. Um, so. And that's with this album, right? Correct. Yes, uh-huh. sir. Yeah. That, so that was what 2007. And so I had three releases before that as Idabolus. There were right. DIY CDRs that, that I sold online. I used to run a little web store online too. What uh, was that? What was that called? It's called Fresh Wraps. It was. Yeah, I think I, I think. Yeah, I yeah, think I used to order stuff from there. Word, word. Okay. So yeah, it was the, you know, the funny because I was just, talking to the dude that ran ATAC recently. Yeah, and, like, dude, I just I just friended uh, Primus, right? Yeah, it's Paul. Yeah, Paul Gambis. Paul, yeah. Yep. P minus. Yep. P minus. P minus. Yep. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so like, you know, those sites were the doc that where I ordered all my hip hop during that. Right. Era. 
and you know dot coms were you know i was a low budget dude you know everything was diy never had the money to like really that person to press that that was the first official pressing i did of a cd and it was with our tax my wife allowed me to use our tax return to, <laughs> to press that right and so it was like my big jump off but anyway i i started this website for dudes like me that you know because some of those sites like that you had to it had to be official it had to be a manufactured cd so they were able to weed out the people who weren't quote unquote serious about things uh or in the people like me and, and some of the folks i was working with it was more about we just didn't have the capital or the money to, to press things it wasn't that we weren't serious we were just uh you know getting our legs so i started that site it was a cjb.net if you remember those they were like yeah. It was the free website of the world, and uh, you could you could uh, host stuff on their platform. It was like and it was like I the met. Wix before Wix came out. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a few of those that in the underground era. I remember like Joe Raff and, and all these other like dudes that I followed that that had TJB.net sites. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I ran that site, and uh, that's how I met a lot of my. I mean, some of my homies I still work with to this day, like Dreadnoughts and. Uh, and I still talk to like Babblefish. I used to Babblefish, yeah. And, and then uh Dreadnoughts, they're from Minnesota, I believe. They're from Pittsburgh. They're from Pittsburgh. Originally. They're, they've kind of uh, which dreadnoughts? There's there's a couple of dreadnoughts out there. Oh, it's uh yeah, it's the dreadnoughts with uh without the K. The original there are there was the dreadnoughts before them with a K. Uh the this is dreadnoughts, it's Oblio, Davey, and Eric Yeshke and Chris Coleman. Uh now kind of by affiliates me and uh this dude authentic from japan that's still we, we're actually working on an album right now all right that's uh, dope <laughs> yep so they're those dudes i've known them since that you know early 2000s the fresh rap stuff so yeah i don't know I mean, man i got off of the beaten path over <laughs> no no it, it, there's no such thing as a path bro we just we, <laughs> we're just doing we're just doing our thing man i mean um okay so like you had that site out i remember also there was a site called full blown dot com there was atac yep. like you said there was um uh what's that one um Pop, damn, I can't hip-hop infinity is probably what you're thinking of. hip-hop infinity there was hip-hop site.com there was true one that was like the second iteration of atac was true hip-hop i think and there yeah was underground hip-hop.com but yeah i mean so that's yeah that was those were the those were the day you know that's how i did did all my music discovery during that era you know there was just so much underground rap to be discovered during right. that time so right so i mean so so i once you started doing your thing and you started like as tra- traveling within your state i would imagine there was other groups from other states that were coming down too to try to showcase like you know because yeah. you're right in the you're in what they call midway so you're by you know you're by chicago you're by uh you know Minnesota. You know the Twin Cities. I, I would imagine you you bumped heads with a with a lot of those artists, a lot of those underground artists, and exchange stuff. Yeah, I mean to to a degree. Cause I mean I never I never toured on any level because when I started getting serious about my music, also my my firstborn, you know, Callie was born. She's twenty two now. So wow. I was I was always a you know a, like I said more of a bedroom rapper guy. You know I'd go to show. I would do one-off shows you know i do weekend shows in the area uh i'll play like indianapolis lafayette which is where purdue university is fort wayne um uh that's pretty much i mean for indiana that's basically the three spots i would play shows 
and you know and around here a little bit a little bit later with my band and stuff i would play more i just started playing more local stuff but right you know in this rural area it's not really a hip-hop not much of a hip-hop scene or even you know people that want to hear this shit so right. i'd always have to go to the cities to, to play it um I would bring acts from out of town a little bit for some of my shows. Like that's how I met MC Homeless, who I still work with today. And, right. and I put out his music on my label. He is from Ohio originally. He's now he's out uh, east in North Carolina. But he's one dude I can notably remember bringing uh, to town. Uh, this dude Dante LaSalle from Detroit. I remember him coming, bringing him down for some shows in Lafayette. So uh, Quell and those like the dudes from uh, Galapagos 4 can't I remember right. I opened it up for them in Lafayette uh, so yeah I mean a lot of my most of my connections though were made online you know because like like I said I'm sitting here in an area where there's not a lot of hip-hop so I had to kind of look out outwardly to, to find right. shit that like was in the same vein or you know and, and people I wanted to work with or usually did you eventually go out out of Indiana eventually um not not very much just one-off stuff like uh i i uh i would find ways if i was traveling for some other reason whether it be a family vacation or or for work for for my day job i would i would usually plot a show you know if if i knew people in an area so i went to pits back in that era i i i'd go up i went up to michigan and played some shows with uh and this dude i don't remember do you remember mind one yeah Uh, yeah so he was kind of one of the early dudes I collaborated with and, and he hosted uh seems like one or two shows up in Michigan. And, uh, and I would, and I did a couple shows in Pittsburgh with the dreadnoughts. Right. Um, yeah. Mine one I think is affiliated with like, um, oh, I, I hate that. I'm forgetting names, man. Um, what's his face? One man army. Okay. Uh, binary star that group binary star. Um, I think he's loosely like affiliated with, um, What's uh, Slum Village? Like some of the cats in Slum Village. I think we're ta- I think we're taking speaking of a different dude. To be honest with you, this is uh Mind One spelled like M Y N D W. Okay, it's a different yeah, it's yeah, a different guy, a totally different guy. Yeah, there's so many names, bro. Yeah, and this guy is mine. I don't know even know what he if he even he goes by Rob the Verb now. I think, and I don't know if he really even. I mean, he probably I'm sure he dabbles in music because we never right. none of us ever give it up but uh i don't know if he does anything of you know i haven't heard from him in a while and the last i knew he was out east in like north carolina area as well like driving it oh he's in Asheville. uh last last i talked to him he actually was he was here a few years back i was at a hip-hop festival in in, in indianapolis and, and how somehow we reconnected online and he's like man i'm on a road trip right now and i'm actually gonna be passing through indiana and i was like yo word i'm at this i'm at this festival actually Right. In Indianapolis, you're gonna pass through, and he actually passed through, and we linked up for a short minute, and just you know, took a couple selfies, and he went about right. his way. But he was just driving up through here, so uh, yeah, it, weird. it just shows how deep the independent scene was that you had probably like ten mind one guys, you know, probably yeah, 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 all, all over the world, probably. <laughs> so let's get into your journey as an artist, dude. Uh, your first project, your first official project, what was it? Um, as it obelisk, well, as it obelisk, or just as yeah. a rapper, and okay, as it obelisk, my first project was called Two Bit Feud, and it was just a, a CDR type thing that I put together. Um, 
And that was probably, that was around 2002. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, right at the inception of, well, I think, I think that first got online around 99 or so, but so I had been online for a, few, a couple years, dial up <laughs> type yeah, internet, right. I remember. And, and made some connections with artists across the globe that, that I was into. I felt like we're doing, you know, this kind of avant-garde left field rap in, in, in the same vein as me. And, you know, I, so I was able to do some collaborations and find producers that I wanted to work. I said that, that was the first project, my first official project where I had, I did have something before that under a different moniker where I that? tried to, uh, I went by in, infrared doses. Okay. And I, and I had a, had one project under that. Well, I had a couple, one off, one kind of official thing. Do you remember mp3.com? Yeah, I used to go on there and down. That's how I found uh, Old Dominion from the West Coast. Found them. I found a bunch of artists off of mp3.com. Okay, so that was like on mp3.com. I was infrared doses. I probably had. I probably downloaded your mp3. I wouldn't doubt it if I downloaded. Oh, you probably got rid of it. It was pretty bad because I tried to do my own production and I was doing it with like the pre-packed loops from Acid (laughs) Music. Right. Fucking bad. Uh, So luckily. Some people took note and liked, you know, what I was doing rapping wise and started sending me production with that album I did on mp3.com. Oh, so they, they were helping but, you out. They were like, yeah, yeah they're helping me, bro. They're coaches, <laughs> like, so I, I ended up hanging up my production hat really quick because right. I started meeting dope producers and, right. and people were sending me beats and, and finding people to collaborate with. So uh, two bit few would have been like the first iteration of it obviously with other people's production and, and working with others like and we did it all online for the most part you know people sending each other verses over dial-up internet and uh so that was the that would be the jump off point i i had that and i had after that was uh there's blood in the ashtray which was uh my second album and it was it was the way it got its name it had nothing to do with anything on the record except for i had uh I had kind of, I think I might have shared the album in like its draft form to, I had this message board and a crew of like homies that we worked together. We called her, we called our collective else music at the time. And uh, I think it was one of the dudes from the message board that named the, the record. I kind of put a thing out there. Hey, I do right. kind of figure out a name for this record. I'm going to take the best, whoever, whoever has the best <laughs> name for it. And that's, that's what we landed on. So. So on your first project as uh, Ed Obelis, um, mm-hmm. was it just you? Did you have cameos on there? You did all the production or, or you already had people doing production for you? I had this. Is, yeah, I've been the first album that I actually had guest production. It was all guest production. I don't think I I don't think I produced anything on that. There was some guests. I had uh, I had Noah 23 uh, yep. on a song on that record. Canada? Yeah, from Canada. He's from yep. Guelph. Um, originally, it, uh, it was born in Mississippi and moved to Guelph as a kid, I think. But yeah. Canadian you know, legend uh, and uh, Il Seer also from Canada um, he was oh, man I think he's he, I don't think he's real he's an he's like a preacher now uh, Il Seer is I-L-L-S-E-E-R correct yeah, yeah. and he used to mm. work with the delegate to culture from the UK yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah he was on that and uh, had production by fuck I'd have to man I probably should you know should no, you're good, bro. Don't worry about I'm it. I kind of think who was all on. I don't want to leave anybody out. Uh, I know, I know Ellipsis, my homie from, uh, well, he was from Wisconsin at the time. He's, 
I think everybody must be moving to North Carolina because he's in North Carolina too. <laughs> North Cacalac, man. That's the place yeah, to be. Yeah, none of I these guess. guys are like, I don't think they really know each other. It's like all my old draft homies moved to North Carolina. Uh, but uh, I think that was it for guests. We had like a, that might have been the posse. No, I did have that posse cover that Elias Wallace was on it. Uh, a super weird one was the Els Music crew. One of the producers was a young Todd Latee. Uh, he's like a pretty big grime UK kind of. He does that like reggae, reggaeton grime right. style shit now, and he's like got a show on the BBC. So he kind of kind of blew up, but he was he one of our in house. Yeah, he was one of those. In, he was one of our in house producers that when we we're. That's crazy, our, man. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and he was just a young, like you know, he was probably like the youngest dude of us all, right? Like Fifteen or sixteen years old, uh, just just starting to make hip hop production, and so obviously he must have grew out of what we were doing, and and uh, we were all kind of established in ourselves, and 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 we're already, you know, I think we were probably all on what see that have been in the nineties, what had I been in my yeah, late twenties, right? right? So late twenties, early thirties. So, uh, he moved on to do bigger and better things and, and different stuff. So, so yeah. what was the what was the project after that? After after that, your first after Tuba Fugue was that there's blood in the ashtray. Very right. similar project. I just a lot more collaborations uh, on that one. And who were uh, some of the, the the ones that stick out to you? The individuals you worked with. That had been the first project that had Babblefish on a on a track, right? Uh, which I was, you know, always tried to work with the the cats I was, you know, big fans of as well. And, you know, that were accessible. You know, there were some people that were out of my reach probably at that time. So, uh, but, the, you know, they were homies I had worked with with the store and shit. So, uh, yeah. Um, and it's that's so that's the album. So from 2003, I can't remember what else. <laughs> I, I remember Babel Fisherman on that was on that one. Dude, uh, some of the dudes too. from Plague Language, uh, like the early uh, Plague Language stuff. I don't know if they're still even active anymore. Uh, Noah, you know, ran that label, and uh, there was this group called Twin Sister, and the MC or the, I think it was the, the MC was Naval Aviator. I think I know he produced a track on on Two Bit Fugue as well, or not Two Bit Fugue, but uh, There's Blood in the Ashtray. Um. Yeah, that's that's all I can think of right now, man. I'm sorry. No, you're good, man. I mean, I'm forgetting things too because I remember Plague Language. They released a compilation back then called Archetypes, something Archetypes. And, oh yeah, uh, the Farewell Archetypes. Yeah, good record. Yep. Yeah, that was dope, man. I remember that. Um, I've who was the guy that ran it? Was it Noah that ran it, or was it somebody else? I could have sworn it was another person that ran the label. Uh, I I think yeah. it was. I think it was both Noah and orphan at the time orphan uh, that's it which that's it. which orphan he went on to is man i'm 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 not the expert but i did he changed his name right he was part of blue blue sky black death uh production yeah wise. that that infinity gauntlet sort of like a uh, group they made beats blue sky black death yep they did that, albums for like onyx and shit like that uh not too long ago yeah i know they're yeah they blew up uh and you know on you know some kind of level but I can't remember what he does product what his production name is now. I mean, I should know, but uh, but he used to go by the Orphan. It was I think right, it was him. Right. And, I think it was him and Noah that pretty much ran the label. 
Uh, there was Barracuda, the other artists in it, and it were uh, Barracuda seventy two. Was it right? Bar- Barracuda, yeah, Barracuda seventy two and livestock, hilarious yeah. livestock, uh, tree vortex. Yeah, I, I remember I don't know what happened. Vortex. Just the name. All those names were like <laughs> interstellar, yeah, celestial <laughs> weird. Was that was the time, bro. And people yeah. came up with these like really obscure sort of names, man. Hey, okay, so give me, give me one second, bro. Let no, me no, go ahead. I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because I'm feeling out of my element. You're asking about old shit that I don't even remember. <laughs> and I think I got that shit. This is how real interviews go, man. They're, they're, they're not goes, fabricated. Yeah. They're Listen, not fake. This is real shit. <laughs> now I got, I got. You're asking me questions I can't answer. So now, now you got it. <laughs> this is this is the uh, original. <laughs> CDR sleeper, there's right. blood in the ashtray. You you have still copies of a lot of those things. Yeah, I keep it's in a bad like a bad way. It's in one of these CD books, but I still got one single copy of all my old shit. Okay, okay. So I had I was, this was I was the, gonna send you the, money for copies, man. Huh? <laughs> I was gonna send you money for some copies. I thought you had I got, extra copies. Yeah, I don't think if I have doubles, I'll let you know after this, man. Yeah, uh, let me know. Man. I I think for the most part, all this old shit, I have my singular personal copies. Uh, Let me see that cover that you just showed up. That was really dope, man. Was it like, oh shit? It's I have like a back, fuzzy background. I don't, know. I don't know how to fix that. There you there go. You go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send you. I'll send you a picture of it. No, it's uh, all good, brother. It's all good. a dude in a, a dude that I worked with in the factory at the time drew that. Like we would work a machine, and like in between right. pulling parts, you'd have like a fifteen minute wait for the parts to cool. And you kick back and you'd read a book or whatever or listen to music. I'd write rhymes sometimes. And and I I uh I asked him to draw my album art. And I was, you know, working on this album and, and right. he, he drew this uh while That's we dope. Were operating the machine. But uh yeah, that was cloud surfing. That was the, the first official the the mp3.com thing I was telling you about earlier. It's called cloud so, surfing. Cloud surfing was the name right. of it, yeah. Uh and I had another thing as infrared dose. It's called talking to machines. Uh, it was just uh, yeah, the more of an EP type deal, right? Uh, and then went on the two bit fugue, and uh, you know, and then and then we're up to this. My second Adolis record. Uh, uh, There's blood in the ashtray. I'm trying to see who was on here. So uh, Babblefish was on here. E nine at the time was like the pro- the producer that Babblefish was working with. He was a dude from Seattle. Uh, they had a group called Scotch Tape Portraits. Uh, I don't know. Who, I, I don't know who that is. No. Uh, yeah, he. I don't think he's active anymore. I mean, Babblefish still is. I still talk to him. Yeah. Uh, he's getting in. He does more like sludge kind of. I would know what he. I think he he does rap still, but does some like more punk kind of aggressive music. It's pretty dope. Um, this dude Octo Forty did a beat. I don't know what happened to him. I remember he. Having, <laughs> I remember having dope production. Ellipsis, my homie, that's the dude from Wisconsin that uh, right. used to go by Paul Mack. Um, Earl Hines, Ketchup, the homie. He now goes by Sean187. He's from Kitchener in, in Canada, Ontario. Todd Latee, the dude we were talking about earlier, that the, the big grime dude now. Uh, Binary Scribes uh, was this group from that's, Iowa. That sounds familiar. They were from Iowa. The dude was, he went, he changed his name several times. At the time, went by Professor De Rachel. Uh, 
he now he's down in Mexico. He lives in Mexico now. I just re, actually he uh, he did production on my new record, the place place pieces. Uh, right now he goes by Kick U V F. Do you uh, know Maxilla Blue? Yeah, that was uh he used to go. That's A and Gray, right? The MC yeah, or does the production for Maxilla Blue? Yeah, yeah. He was he on this record? Uh, he was on the first one we talked about. That would've been a notable one on. Uh, yeah, because uh, I remember Aon Gray being on. Because uh, Iowa again, another like very much like Indiana. They got a little scene going on. They were really dope artists. Yeah, that actually that's the one I don't have in here for some reason. I don't see the fusion here. Uh, yeah, he used to go by No One, Aon Gray, in our emphasis you know, infancy stage learning right. and learning to get her legs. He, and when mp3.com days, he had a, he was no one. And you know, I, I, I might have his, I might have one of his CDs. Yeah. As no one, he had a record called uh lousy person. So I was I, a fan I, I of his have one of them, man. I know yeah. I have primate curriculum from Aeon gray, but yep, that's and a, a bunch record. of other ones too. Um, and maxilla blue, that was a great album. But yeah, go ahead. Keep 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 on with the list. So guys. yeah, so yeah, that was a dude I worked with back back then. I haven't talked to him in years either. I don't know right. if he's stuff, but actually during the gray, AM Gray area, he was he was, you know, doing his own thing. And I I hadn't worked I I only worked with him before that era when he was a, a no namer. And uh there was another dude from that area, uh went by uh Paul Moses. Uh and now he's a barber over there. I, I think we we're still linked on Instagram and he's right. he, uh he's a barber now but uh. that's crazy man <laughs> so then did fly your favorite come after that 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 no second? no there's one more as it i was uh, called 88 oranges i uh, I, I remember I, that i say i thought you might have i thought you I, I thought maybe we linked on this record instead of fly your favorite uh, man. that might have been the first review i did and then i did fly your favorite after but i think that was the first but um i can i was looking through my my collection I got tired because I have so many CDs, but I just could not find that album. I just couldn't find it. Oh, good man! This is like ancient material, man. I know, but I mean, it's it would it would be awesome to have. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, look, dude. I mean, I I I I know I have more. I mean, I have this, and then right. I have this. Oh, nice. You know? Yeah. You know, and there's more, but I mean, I just can't find them. I have so many fucking CDs and shit. Well, if after this, if I could turn up other copies, I made in there, there may be represses of some of this stuff. Some of this stuff should it deserves to fade away. You should <laughs> no, you should re release them, man, and do like some sort of like a uh, package with like a it obelisk shirt or like some sort of like package deal. You get like this cool maybe box, and then you open it, and it's got all your shit in it with your discography from back in the days. You get like a free shirt, maybe a skull cap with with it obelisk on it. That'd be kind of dope. Well, if someone else, yeah, maybe specifically for you, we'll put that together because I don't know if everybody, I don't, I don't know if anybody but you is asking for that, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. <laughs> so what, what, what was the deal on that that album, Eighty Eight Oranges? This one, this was, yeah. this was a, yeah, Eighty Eight Oranges. I, I at the time, I mean, I kept felt like I kept leveling up, and I, this would have been, I was coming into my own, and and uh, thought I was really onto something. This is, I had. So this is 2004. Um, I was still running fresh wraps because I because I say fresh. I have fresh wraps handwritten right. in there in the back. That's I, dope, I, man. I drew all the art for this and pieced it together with like a lot. You can see I used the Reese's Pieces wrapper to to flip that, make it. Right. 
Was it was this back in the day when you used to go to like Kinkos and kind of mess shit together? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I think I might have used the copier. There was a the front office at at my job at the factory. Right. I could use the copy machine, and I t- yeah, I would tape shit together and, and throw put it on the copy machine and 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 yeah, mass, that, that mass was Photoshop back then. <laughs> yeah, that was that was absolutely Photoshop. So uh, who was on? There was uh, push the button. That was Earl Hines. Uh, produced that Tyson. That was a dude. He was from like out by LA. I don't know what happened to him. Um, this is probably the first record I worked with. No, I, I, the mole was on two bit fugue too. He produced a track on there. So there's the probably the first one he rapped on with me was on this. Uh, you the, know, mole, the mole, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that song Orange Everything. I mean, he, he did the hook on it and uh and wrapped on it and earl hines produced that psalm 101 uh that might have been the first my first work with nomar maybe i mean I no nomar. nomar was there from the inception as well nomar slavic yeah. so. i love nomar that's my dude <laughs> yeah all right yeah i man i did my homework i did start to listen to the your the one <laughs> i saw you had an episode of this with him i started to listen to it i need to finish it so yeah he's 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 like okay, so I, I knew him only as an MC, I, I, and I had inklings that he was into the paranormal, but I didn't know that he had experiences. And then he eventually became, you know, now where he does investigations now. Um, but I mean, I've always loved, I've always loved No More. No More has always been the the dude, man. Yeah, absolute same. He did. Uh, he he used to be my go to source too. Uh, shouts to No More. He he would hell yeah. Like, uh, on the free would always be the dude I would go to to mix and master my stuff in the early ages because I I never have had an ear for actually mixing uh, down tracks and shit. How, how did you meet him? Online through uh, probably through the mole through motion recordings and, and working with the mole and I know yeah the mole had his own little label at the time when I was doing uh, I think fresh raps and El- and else music. And so we just, you know, similar circles. We're all into the same, you know, types of music. Like we were talking earlier, all those sites in the message boards of that era. You know, the Anacon message board was a big one that everybody kind of found common ground on. And and, uh, so I think, you know, through that stuff, I met them online through, uh, like I said, probably through the mole is how we linked up. But uh, And actually... To, back to the dreadnoughts that would probably been how i i'm pretty sure that's how i first heard the dreadnoughts was on his first no March first record uh purple lights and april foolishness yeah they they were album. on two they produced and were on two of the tracks on that record which were my favorites they were like i was like holy shit this is like perfect sound and, and like, oh that's that's the guys the dreadnoughts anyway so i think that's how i first heard them and and start following their music and linking up with them. So yeah, so yeah, Nomar was on this as well. Cognition. Do you remember that dude? He was like uh homies is like the escape artists. Do you remember the escape artists? They were another West Coast X Circles and all of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had a so, female rapper. I forgot what her name was. Uh that's uh she... that's Circles' wife now. It's yeah it was amused. Yep. She they they were dope. They're dope. Yeah. Yeah, super dope. Uh, 
we, I don't know if we're ever going to get into talking about audio recon, but I, we reissued, uh, Oh, we're going to talk about it, bro. <laughs> Wait, how long, are these like long form podcasts? Dude, uh, I don't really put a time limit on it, man. I mean, yeah. I just want the I want to 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 expose you, man. I want you out there. I want to like because I mean, everybody that I have on are like my favorite people that I either follow or I listen to, whether they're rap or you know paranormal. I I try to get the people that I'm interested in, you know what I mean, and the, or the people that I've built with throughout the years. And so there's no format of like length of time. It's really up to you if you can go. Sure you know, two hours, then we're doing two hours. I mean, this is what I do, bro. I write questions and I try to get through them as, as, and it's usually front and back. And I try to get through them as, as quickly as I can, but not to drag it out per se. You know what I mean? Right. But right. there's no format, you know, it's just homies talking. That's basically it. We just or, you know, shooting the shit. Perfect. That's, that's perfect for me. Cause I'm not, I, I don't, I don't do these interview type things. I need to plug this in though. I've seen go ahead. Go ahead. You in your basement? Uh, now this is my attic. This is uh this is the rap attic. I just Damn, uh, I we need... just moved here last January yeah. and I finally got my own space. I need one. I need a space, bro, really bad. Look at me. I got like little cute bears behind me, man. I'm in my bedroom, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, it's still space though, right? You got your you got your setup, right? It's so yeah, it's something. I can't complain, but I mean, I, I wish I had like my own space, you know. Y your volume's off, bro. I can't hear you. All right, everybody, we're back. Back with it obelis, not ID obelis. <laughs> All good. Hey, good job, man. Did you did you write a note and and, and put Dude, uh... literally I underlined <laughs> I underlined it. <laughs> Make sure, man. I can't fuck up, man. I appreciate that. No, it's all good, brother. All right, so the lot where we left off, we left off. I, I think your third album, jumping into "Fly Your Favorite," I I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, pretty much we touched on it, right? Eighty-eight oranges was my third, and then uh, "Fly Your Favorite" then my fourth. Record. Okay, so so to me, when I when I heard that, um, you know, I I listened to the music and and you know it inspires me. You know, I absorbed the the lyrics and all of that. To me, you came off like. Alternative rap version of Keith Haring. I don't know if you know who Keith Haring is. This like avant-garde, like graffiti artist from back in the days, like New York in the days. That's how you, like when I when I see that album, when I look at the album cover, that's what it reminds me. It reminds me of like a Keith Haring, like a lyrical Keith Haring piece, right? So talk about that album. How did that album come to fruition? Like the recording part of it. Who was on yeah, it? Yeah. So yeah. Uh... Man, let me get that one in front of me so I can. No, it's all good. Plus, not only that, you were on a a different label. You were on Sick Records on that one, correct? Correct. Yeah, and they're from and it, they're it, from Hawaii. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I I would say yeah, this would be. I I feel like it was when I was finally taking my shit seriously. It was more like uh everything prior to this was bed bedroom DIY. Not to say this wasn't. It was aesthetically the same. I was putting together, uh, originally in my. I was a little bit of my process on records and I still do it to this day is there will probably be a dozen iterations of an album before I release it. At least I'm, I'm usually it's like, like a audio notepad sort of right. I'll be putting down ideas. I'll record like rough drafts of songs 
and and I piece the the I piece the you know songs together in the order I want and add you know little nuances and, and things to tie songs together. I always liked, as you can tell, I'm sure from what you've heard of of my music, always like like a a constant flowing piece of of music, and I like it to be taken in as as one art piece, so right. to speak. You know, like from, from start to finish. So this record. What I think gave it a little bit more polished edge is I worked heavily with Oblio from the Dreadnoughts on it. Uh, I actually flew, that was, uh, I went to Pittsburgh and recorded uh, a good portion of this record, was recorded uh, in a, an abandoned house right next to theirs, I think at the time on Troy Hill in Pittsburgh. So it was, I think it had a more, he gave it a you know better studio sound uh, yeah. and his setup was way better than mine. And, and he just, Oblio was a, freaking scientist with it you know he he uh he added a lot of the, the bells and whistles that that gave it uh, a really unique feel and you know his signatures all over that record too so shouts to oblio how, how did you get on sick records i mean that's uh, their hawaiian record label i mean they, they do like independent rap too but how did you yeah. get hook up with that um oddly enough you know i was i was a hyper uh politicker you know uh, you know with my you're on my web store and 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 you know just put my shit out online and, and always you know trying to make connections with other artists so i i believe i sent them this record like or or they reached out to me somehow somehow some way at the very same time both sick records and audio recon which it may sound weird because i run audio recon but at the time it was founded by a different guy right. uh, that i did not know at the time he reached out to me so both kind of at the same time these labels both reached out and said hey yeah we want to put this record out and i can't remember if i shopped it to sick or if they reached out to me right. on the strength of but nomar was already linked with those dudes so that was kind of i think the connection with sick is nomar slevic you know i worked heavily with him and uh and and he, they were putting out a record of his around the same time as well that sasquatch is dying yeah, uh, I, that's an, that's one, another one that I have. And then on on the back of this uh seat, on it's a digit pack. It's not a CD, but um, it doesn't say audio recon. It says audio reconnaissance, digital music. So yep. I guess that's before they dropped the you know the other part of it, and it just became audio recon. Yep. Um, let's talk about like the the album cover. Was there a, a message behind that? You have like this dude holding a boombox, but he's got like Superman behind him. So it's almost like uh like a mashup. <laughs> yeah. Uh well Albane, uh also known as well uh, well now known as El Albane used to be known as DYN Din or uh it's a brilliant surrealist artist from, from France. He used to do a lot of iconic hip hop uh underground artwork at, at the time and, and, and oh. on past that she started doing, you know, work with a lot of legends from the West Coast and stuff. But that I think that I gave her the music and, and I, I don't know if I gave her kind of this, I had this like super MC ethos. It was kind of this braggadocio nerdy artsy rap dude, but I kind of like try to take, took elements of my right. influence, like what's deeply rooted in rap and the competition side of rapping. And uh, you know, and you know, obviously put my own spin on it. So I don't know. If, I, I can't remember if I planted the seed that, the, you know, cause I think I originally was, I think I did because I believe I was originally calling this record, you know, it was super MC or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it and, says it uh, on the back. Oh yeah, it says super MC on the back. Oh word, 
Oh. <laughs> and he, yeah, also, he also has a belt buckle, like the old school belt buckles. Yeah, and it's a yep. super. I think MC because I think the MC part is cut off. But so I can't. I, I can't say for certain that I even gave her any. Maybe some nuggets and told her, "Hey, this is the record. You know, right. whatever you come up with." So I. So I believe that was mostly a of her creation and her interpretation of what the hell. Yeah, it's it's bugged out, man. I love covers like yeah. this because it, it makes you look at it. You have no choice but to like continue to like, break things down and look at it. It's like sort of like a half cyborg, <laughs> you know, right? Half super MC. You know? yeah. She 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 killed that. She killed yeah. that art. Yeah. yeah, it was dope. So who who were some of the features on here other than Oblio? Uh, well, that was uh, circles. From from Escape Artist was on that record. Uh, who else was on here? We uh, had some stuff. Yeah, uh, Riff Raff. That was a dude. That was a producer from the from the Sick Records camp, I believe. And uh, Nomar was on this as well, I believe, with some production. Yeah, he did a lot of production on this. Or yeah, he I know he helped mix some, you know, I was he was kind of my go-to. He'd mix some things down. Who else on there? DJ Pause. He's a New York dude. Uh, remember the neurologist? Yeah. Yeah, he was from the neurologist. I uh, I know he, the guy who 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 like runs the neurologist. I think he still does music actually. Okay, so yeah, that Tokyo joint was was him produced by DJ Pause. But what's your what's your favorite tracks on here? Mine is um well, I have a lot of them, but Rural American rap is fucking dope as fuck, man. <laughs> oh, word. Yeah. Word, I appreciate that, man. And then uh, the Atomic Hot Dog Gods, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I I dug that one. Uh, Voyage from the Frontline was one of my favorites. That was that, that jump off joint with uh, produced by Oblio as uh, Circles from the Escape Artist. Uh, I really like 1991, 1987. Yeah. Just because it was personal kind of uh, yeah. trying to kind of tell my history in a yeah. – and through through bars, uh, and you know, kind of coming up in a small town and 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 doing rap shit. So uh, just how I came to be, I was trying to break that down. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, Without use, I thought was dope. That was another one uh, that was produced by used to be Professor De Rachel, now Kick You. That's when he first, I think, started going by Kick You VF. And, and to this day, I still. Uh, you know, talk to that guy so i did the acid eating scuba diver that that's such a dope name for a song man i thought so too so. <laughs> it's so ill man that was me trying to trying to be slick rick man i was trying to tell a story in my own way <laughs> 99 dumb ways to die sure as hell they're dumb right? <laughs> yeah, there's the that's the mind one I was talking about earlier. Right. He, he produced that that joint. So yeah, this whole album is literally like no pun intended, sick man. This is a dope album, man. Uh, so I appreciate a- that. After fly your favorite, what what comes next? Um, that been uh, see, fly your favorite two thousand seven inevitable crushing, which would have been like two thousand. Oh, let's see. This is inevitable crushing. I'm pulling out the that's dope the, and. Uh, so, oh, so this one I was executive produced by Oblio. I always tried to have one of the producers I was working with do the main, the final kind of piecing together with me. Like I'd, right. I'd put ideas together and like, hey, this, you know, add your, 
add your flair to it or whatever. So Oblio, I tasked on flyer favorite to be that guy. And, you know, he did killed it and, and, you know, took my ideas and ran with them and added his right. own stuff. So when I, I kind of, I love that concept. And when I, I, I kind of consciously wanted to do that with other producers, as I kept doing records so that on inevitable crushing, I reached out to Nomar, Nomar Slevic did the, was the executive producer of this album. So he pieced it together when it was in its final form and, and you know, got the executive producer role on that. Uh, I was still working with the sick dudes, but apparently this has probably been around when sick was, they weren't putting out a lot. And I think they were kind of coming, they got a little bit, you know, ahead of themselves. I think trying to do too much too fast and it just kind of burnt out really quick. Yeah. They, they, when I, they send me, you send me your album, but it came through them. And then they send me no more Slavic, uh, you know, the great dying Sasquatch, the great dying. And then they sent me Hunger Pangs, which was another group on there. And then they sent me like maybe three or four more releases after that. I mean, they just kept sending me stuff. And I was like, man, that's a lot of material. that they... And in, in, in hindsight, yeah, it looks good. Like, oh, they're releasing a lot of stuff. But I'm not finding out from you. It was just too much, I guess, for them. Huh? Maybe. I don't. I mean, I don't like. Unfortunately, they we'd have like a couple conference calls when they were you know they just they were really ambitious out the gate they were sending all of us artists and then street team dudes like we were all kind of trying to be our own street team and and they were just printing out you know posters and and, and postcards and business cards for everybody and you know i think maybe just putting a lot of money into it out the gate and you know how underground rap shit goes it's it's a just a big yeah. old money vacuum so so that's I probably, why they call us starving artists. We're always starving because yeah. we don't make money. <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, they were really ambitious and it just, I don't know what, you know, I don't know if they continued to do shit locally for a while, but I, as far as I know, it just kind of came and went pretty quick. Uh, the only thing I had, I mean, fly your favorite. And then we did that uh, a mixtape. Uh, so I get, I don't know if that, that might've came before this. I had a mixtape with DJ Biscuit from Germany um called the fully automatic mixtape and they released it out they released it digitally on sick and i had a little cd we had a cdr that does, does it have like a picture of a cassette on the cover no uh, that was uh that's this that's the neville crushing has the cassettes on the inside okay 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 um i don't know if i have have that because i have on. a biscuit i have a biscuit dj biscuit it's just me and him it's like two different pictures yeah. that they put on the uh you know separate pictures they put on the cover and it's got like uh, graffiti, you know, style, you know, graph style writing. A full, full. Of, I don't know who did it, did the art, but fully automatic. I think it was one of Biscuit's homies. Um, I did essentially I had this mixtape already done. It was just like random stuff that wasn't on an album, and I put it together, and you know, as I do in mixtape form, kind of blended everything, and then I sent it to Biscuit, and he added cuts and shit, and, and then made it official and. Uh, sick release that digitally and but uh, not on does any physical format right. or anything. So, um, so let's but go, anyway, let's go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so inevitable crushing was around that same time probably, and I've been my second record, official record. Yeah, um, I like the artwork on that. That's very dope, man. Yeah, so this uh, the artwork with uh, Smear uh, did it. He's man, he, I think he's in Northern California. Uh, he also goes by Smearbot online. Uh, yeah. He's part of that new Cocoon crew. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those dudes. Uh, he did some production on this. 
the first track actually he produced um and he was i think doing like tattoo work and stuff so uh i asked him to, to do yeah, the smears artwork. Dope. i have yeah. artwork i have artwork from smear somewhere over there but word because they 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 had a group i think called twilight idols if i'm not mistaken um and I bought that CD and they, and I got a piece of artwork from it. But they also have nice. like a lot a lot of they're from they're from Hawaii too, if I'm not mistaken. I think they've got some artists. They they got a, a whole bunch of people from all over the place, but a yeah. lot of them are from the West Coast. Uh yeah, there's a I mean a lot of dudes involved in that, right? Wormholes, Wormhole, Black group. Wolf, who used to be something else. Uh his name is Black Wolf now. Um they're affiliated with a friend of mine named Void, who does beats. He started doing work, and Void is part of this group called Abstract Distortion, which my homeboy, Quest the Unborn Child, is. He's a part of that group. So, like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Paramount Recordings back nope. in the days. Okay, so they're, like, kind of like, uh, I mean, I don't want to waste time. But anyway, they 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 huh. they were started by this guy named Just the Universal from Texas. But he branched out, and he grabbed all these MCs from different places, like from Japan and then he created this collective and it's very similar to almost like sick records. Like they just put out a lot of material and unfortunately it just didn't hold up after all these years. Your lights are messing around. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're looking up at the lights. And no, I saw, like, actually I was, I was looking uh, at, I don't, I was like, man, do I have one of those posters? I got, I got a, I'm on my laptop, so I'm not going to pick it up, but I got, right. I got the old, la- the, Listen to Sick Records poster on the wall with all the yeah. I, I might have like a a postcard of that. I have a whole Word. like I they send me a whole bunch of stuff. Sick Records, you know, there's a whole whole bunch of dudes. Most of them were from Hawaii, but there was there were some outliers like me and and Nomar and uh, Aim One. I think he was from Japan. Right. Is there there was one guy named Signifier? Yeah, 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 yeah. Signifier, yeah, he was an MC. Yeah. Stable Mouth was in the crew too. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that that man, they 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 were putting out a lot of shit. That's all I can say, man. They were putting yeah. out a lot. <laughs> it was dope. I was honored to be a part of it. It was cool yeah. that they they asked me because I mean I was I felt like I was on a come up when I when I put put out Flyer Favorite because you know yeah Flyer Favorite is so much different than than your other releases. Like that's this is probably your I don't know. You might not agree with this, but maybe your magnum opus of of releases. It, yeah, people have said that uh during that time i i i would say of the maybe my ed obelisk work yeah at the time it was definitely my magnum opus i feel like 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 this is the album where you found your niche i would say yeah absolutely yeah and i I feel like i've grown since then but uh it took a minute to to top that record uh i would say that i didn't top it with uh with inevitable crushing it was a dope record in its own right but it's not it wasn't on i still fly your favorite i really what was my it got it got called that a bit too like yeah actually the homie from that started audio recon like i said he at the same time they were reaching out i was like oh man i already got this deal with the sick records label and and he's like well at the he was just focusing on digital only before anybody knew how to get their shit on itunes and that sort of thing so uh my homie eric brown who started audio recon was just focusing on being a digital only label and so he uh he reached out and he's like well i just want to release it digitally like and help you get on itunes and all these things so he had a he had a deal with iris distribution at the time and uh so which was super cool uh and uh 
so anyway, yeah, he he often would call it my magnum opus too. And like he's like, man, you need to, you know, we'll hope you can top fly your favorite on this next <laughs> record. It was always like, like it was always the the one that I had to I had to one up. And I feel like right. I might have did it. And the, the people could argue that the Jabber Box was was maybe my next right. Uh, for the predecessor to it, so to speak. just think about how Nas feels after he released Illmatic, and people are right. like, "There's nothing like Illmatic," you know? Right, right. You know, so this is like well, your Illmatic. You know, you have to top it. It's kind of hard. It's not the easiest thing it, to do. You know, when the, yeah, it's a matter of perspective too, right? Because I right. mean, artists grow, but you become a fan at a certain sometime. You know, you become a fan of someone's work. It's something about that. Well, maybe even like early in their career when they're young and they're experimenting and they're trying new things, it just hits home. I think a lot of people say that about a lot of artists, right? They're like, Oh, they'll, they'll never top their, you know, their first record or the second record. Cause they were young and, and, and just trying different things and creating something that was super unique that you can never go, go back and do again. You're, you're now right. you're growing as an artist and you're creating different types of music, but it like when you're young experimenting, so it just it captures a moment in time too. As you're developing so anyway so so let's talk about some of your other projects in between yeah. and and after like the like the project uh done which features no Marslevic, slap marcello what 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 can you talk what can you say about that project i i love that project that's what i was i can't remember how it came about exactly i think marcello was kind of the glue in making that happen he uh was the producer now he goes by nebula 78 um He's from Brazil, and right. I think he kind of linked us all together. He, you know, I don't know, because uh, I didn't know who Slap was before that record. Um, he was the MC from Germany in that project, but it was all right. done online. We reached out to each other. I remember my like my parts of the record. I was remember I was living in my house in Star City at the time, and I remember coming home from work, and, and most of the stuff I did for that record was in the moment sort of freestyle i'd write a few things down and just have ideas and then i just like record my part on the fly without a lot of thought i i kind of tried to do a different approach to it where i wasn't overly obsessing over each and everything like i do on most of my records where i'll have 12 drafts before i come to the final piece of you know work so on that one i just know i was winging it for the most part i would i'd come home and i'd do a verse to one of the songs off of that and it's right. more on the fly and kind of in the moment and a lot of it freestyle and for a short project it's only eight tracks it's dope super dope like brainwash uh the path uh blind i mean so like all of them the bonus track covered in smoke is so ill um it was kind of dark too yeah absolutely I like that. I like stuff like that. I did too. I think we, you know, we were we were kind of running off of a concept where, you know, Nomar was doing like homages to like old songs, like the, you know, the doll parts. Uh, right. Uh, and uh, oh, it's fucked. The, every, the, I don't know if that's every day. It's a getting closer. <laughs> he's, yeah. just, he's just reciting those lyrics and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's like, yeah, it was a dark kind of dystopian sort of uh weird record that yeah, yeah it's a, but it's dope though without a doubt it shouldn't have been called done it should have been called d-o-p-e dope right yeah uh, <laughs> well you'll be happy to know we have uh we are officially working on a new record a new done record right now I don't know if no really that's that's awesome yep uh how far, how far are you into it we have i i've recorded a verse 
there's three okay. beats floating around that Nebula has sent, but everybody's in. Flaps agreed to it. Nomar's right. in. Uh, it sounds like. So we'll see how it goes. We years ago, right after that record, we talked about a follow up. We had some kind of concepts floating around, like maybe like a year after that record, right or so, and it just kind of it, it sort of faded away. So we'll see. Sometimes those things they they start off hot and and then fade away. But um, I'm hoping it happens because I think you know. Once again, Marcelo or Nebula is uh, he's sort of the catalyst for it. He's been sending beats, and the beats are definitely more uplifting. He's getting right. this more 808 sounds, and he's 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 leveled up as a producer too. The dude's just evolved. He's doing some really cool stuff, Sonic Soundscapes, uh, and it's inspiring to write to. So and uh, so I, I I've written the one, and I'm ready to write to the other one. But I was waiting for Nomar to set it off so I can follow his his right <laughs> yeah 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 so. yeah you guys are a good com really good combination usually it's hard to find combinations like that that work and uh with this you can tell like everything or like you guys are all different puzzle pieces and it fit really perfect you know cool cool i really like uh, the, the the pass on that joint the yeah the warrior the, path, that was the warrior one. is dope man that's just yeah, that's yeah. Really dope um talk about creatures of habit what's th what's that about all right uh so uh, Creatures of Habits, me and uh, Richard Cook from uh, Worm Music is his self-grown, homegrown label. He's a uh, homie from Indianapolis. Well, he actually lives in Fishers, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. Uh, he grew up in Indianapolis, so I mean, he lives in Fishers now. Um, I met him on my, well, been my, after, you know, getting with Audio Recon and starting to play more shows in Indianapolis, uh, Eric was trying to sign or, or help his group out. He was kind of a staple in the hip hop scene in, in, in Indianapolis with his group justice league. And, uh, he had a, a couple different groups actually, but justice league was the big one. It was, uh, they were, uh, you know, true, uh, true school boom bap hip hop group from Indianapolis cook, uh, came out to one of my shows for audio recon. He was there just there to, to check out the show and to talk about the label deal, what it was going to look like and for us to release their digital music. And he, uh, I remember meeting cook for the first time at that show and him coming up to me and being like, dude, I never buy anybody's CDs, uh, local artists. He's kind of a hater. He's like very niche, only likes what he likes and is in his own lane. And he came up to me and, and, like shook my hand and bought my CD and, and we wanted to, and he still tells me this today. We're still like best of homies, right. uh, you know, that, you know, I've inspired him and, and, you know, and, and this and that. So we linked up through audio recon. He did uh, like a remix, I think first for me that, that before he met me, like some, uh, someone sent my vocals to him and said, Hey, you've got to check out this dude. And, and anyway, so we, we just, we hit it off. We, uh, he did some production on the jabber box for a couple of songs and and around that time we started talking about how like how well those two songs worked uh together and he ended up being the i i assigned him the executive producer role of that record that's dope. and and yeah and it was kind of the first person since high school that i was able to link up on a you know face to face and and do music with and we just gel well man he he's a he's more of a tradition he's older than me a dude's a couple years older than me and traditional like true school head like he's not as he likes different left field stuff musically but more from his hip-hop he's more you know boom bap guy you know uh and very like i said very discerning taste buds he's not uh very uh 
he can't hate on he's not a <laughs> not as well rounded as or doesn't like you know i like a lot of different shit and right he, he's he's easy to just uh, nah that's not for me to discard you're, you're more eclectic and he's more on one path so to speak yeah 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 absolutely not to say that you know if you met cook he's definitely right He's an eclectic dude, but when it comes to like his hip hop, he likes it a certain way. And he's right. very, very uh, much a preserve a traditionalist. and perpetuate. Yeah, traditionalist, preserve and pet perpetuate. He loves, you know, right. which is kind of, you know, kind of ironic now because he was very, very sample based, do it the old school way, you know, follow the rules type deal ish. Now he's not even sampling. He's, uh, he records with, uh, like, he's sampling, but he's sampling him playing the instruments. Like, he's like, he's creating music in a way uh without having to sample records he's 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 you know playing the guitar parts and playing bass and, and shit like that and sampling but and chopping it down but uh he's 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 an he's an enigma the richard cook so anyway that we met through audio recon and and uh it just gelled well so it was like it was a no-brainer to do a project and we uh did, did i would say that creature's a habit it just happened you know instantaneously basically we just right. it's like one track after another like hey let's do this and uh, we work well together and I, I was loving his production style was you know pretty straightforward and inspiring it was easy to write to and it was able to me to kind of flex my mc skills like and, and not i mean i still have my eclectic you know edge and, and, and twists on things but for the most part it, it kept me you know, it was it was fun to make a rap, you know, make raps about rappers and 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 you know, our disdain for what it was. Sometimes I was I, I I like to joke about it being me really looking in a mirror and battling myself. Like I'm I'm really fucking picking apart, you know, shit that annoys me about myself and about you know the the, the my the shit I'm into. Like like I'm battle rapping my myself just as much as I am anybody else. Right, right, right. <laughs> Self inflection, right? Right, right. So uh what about random art projects? What's that about? Uh that so we became a group oh, was, it, was that 2008-ish, maybe nine? Late late seven or early 2008, maybe? Was that yeah? So that that was uh um actually my cousin, he's like 10 years younger than me. It's a second cousin. We didn't really know each other growing up or anything. I knew his, you know, his parents. His dad and his dad and my dad and and uh, and his dad had you know two brothers that they all ran my my dad and his dad or his dad and uncles all ran around together and uh, modified snowmobiles and shit and raced snowmobiles and and like back in the days days before uh, you know we came about they were really big into music his his parents were into music music as well and and uh found out like my dad was not a musician or anything. He just loved music. And uh, he used to run a, a promotion company with his, this, this dude, uh, my cousin's dad and, and his uncles and stuff. And so we linked online actually, even though he was just 20 minutes down the road, he's much <laughs> younger than me. I didn't really know right. him that well. I just knew of him. And uh, he was in a noise band uh, at the time called Tremage Voyix. Uh, I was showing him my music and he's, I noticed he was doing this stuff that was kind of like a, it reminded me of like what Cloud Dead and Reaching Quiet and Green Think and those dudes were doing really collagey weird kind of rap stuff but but you know he was definitely not a rapper I could tell like he was trying to rhyme and and, and do but he was definitely doing it in a really left field experimental way and right. he was like he's trying to take elements of rap and, and mix it into with this experimental stuff he was doing 
like, oh man, you should check out, you know, and I showed him my music and he's like, oh wow, like we should link up. <laughs> so anyway, we got together, just him and I, Matt, and recorded a couple songs on a whim one night and, and became like, the first song was called Random. And what the fuck is that other one? <laughs> anyway, so the, like basically the core of our first two songs and he basically brought in all but one of the guys from Tramaj Voyix to kind of bring those two songs to light like with the instrumentation and 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 started evolving to the more songs we would record and we started playing live shows and next thing you know we were a band <laughs> so it was a five-piece band of dudes they they were all 10 years younger than me and more right. not in the rap world they were experimental artists they they were their band before was just noise art experimental stuff um so we were trying to do something a little more uh, accessible. Like I was like, our, our thing was like, let's let's make music that makes people dance and party and 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 have a good time. So it was like more electro psychedelic right. dance stuff. When we put on these like, you know, pretty pretty epic shows where you know we we called them dance parties, you know, but we were That's performing dope. and everybody would you know dance and, and get down and shit. And it was a uh, unfortunately a really short run of stuff i really love that we had some really really good moments with that band where i thought like we you know had something going uh we gelled well musically but uh when you get five artists in a room and like when it comes to like, actually trying to push the music and sell it there was a lot of disagreement on how to get that music out and which is why you don't see it online anywhere or anything like that it was kind of uh we we, we put out one cd um, and I think we did like a mail order for it, but uh, nobody really could come to an agreement on putting it out uh, digitally in any in any minute. And we just had kind of had a falling out over that. And, and really, why is that so hard to just like? Is it's either you do it digitally or you don't? Was that that kind of the thing? Somebody did yeah, there was a there was a bit of a. I don't want to go. To the I know I, I'm not yeah, trying. There's to a lot of personal stuff about it, but the, for the most part, I'd, I'd say the reason the big disagreement would been uh can the 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 fear of someone taking advantage uh, or or stealing the your the work in, in general i'll just put it like that we had a band manager at the time that was very very uh concerned about intellectual property rights and, and that sort of thing and, and how much wow. was invested in the you know the yeah. studio that we recorded in was was essentially matt's college fund instead of going to college his grandparents had this money set aside for it or, or something like that and ended up buying the studio, uh, all this studio equipment. And, um, and, uh, anyway, our band manager was also our photographer and did, it was an artist herself. And, and, uh, yeah, there was just a lot, a lot of concern about, you know, if I couldn't put a picture up that, that, that she took online, you know, that was her photography. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't just go randomly go putting it online as, without as her permission and all that without permission and, and 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 her approving it and stamping it and, and it was just it just got really it was just a lot of like i was more myself i'm just lucy goosey who cares there'll be another song and there'll be another album after this i don't care you know that's the point if it leaks and people hear it great there'll be more to come you know right so i had that i i was a little more seasoned like so they're much younger and, and trying to figure things out and i feel like i and I think that too might have had something to do with they did they didn't have I I I was I was strapped with my job and my kids and this and like I think they had aspirations to 
take it to the next level too at some point in time, maybe tour and and it wasn't in the cards for me right. at that time. There's no way, you know, I could do little one-off shows, but I wasn't going to hit the road. And so ultimately, it, you know, I think maybe lasted two years. And then yeah. they end up spinning off and having the, they had another little somewhat regionally successful project that spun off of that, that uh, um, came after that. So I, I've, I've tried to reach back out to those dudes, man. We made some really dope stuff. But uh, it, it was what it was point in history, I guess. Now, so okay. So talk about who's your apex. What's that about? That's a project with uh, Cook from Creatures of Habit, me and uh, Branimal. It's the MC from uh, Bloomington, Indiana, and the producer Ace Ha is originally from Indiana. He grew up with Branimal from uh, blooming in the Bloomington area, but now is out in LA producer in LA. Um, that came up my really back history on, on Branimal and Ace Ha. I knew those dudes when they were in Indiana, they, they were in a rap group called five star industries. And the only reason I knew is because they were my, my brother is two years older than me went to ball state as well. Same college I went to. Um, and Branimal, can't remember what he went by at the time and ace ha were in this dorms with my brother and there he's like man man you'll like these there's a couple of rapper dudes in my dorm that you you really like these dudes and they were doing like at the time uh like it was when fushnikins were, do- were were popping off right. and das effects and, and ybt and, and the the the, the riggedy 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 rap style yeah, were, yeah, yeah. So they were doing like uh <laughs> some like on some ybt shit or, right. or uh but I was like infatuated with these dudes because I was. This is before I had equipment, before I was at Oblit. This is I'm talking like early mid nineties ish, and so I I knew of these dudes. Matter of fact, I even when I stayed at my brother's one time, I I his his roommate was went to school high school with these guys. Uh, I grabbed his like late at night one night when everybody's passed out or whatever. I grabbed his tape and dubbed it. <laughs> Dubbed like the the, the five star demo without uh, them no demo <laughs> without them no I, I still have it to this day and I was that's dope I was man dudes, uh, uh, yeah we, YBT was a dope group too to be honest I mean they, they yeah yeah I, I I fucked with them I really I mean yeah. they had like like Hank Shockley produced their first yeah. record and like there's some like there was a weird name <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> weird concept but, you know, but the eighties right you know right you can white rappers had to do then. something to to kind of to fit in, I guess. You couldn't do that now. You get in trouble right now. No, man. It's yeah, it's not. It doesn't make any. Get canceled. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Anyway, so yeah, so that's how I knew those dudes. But we, I don't know how we actually linked up, but the, I think the concept came about from Ace was saying, "I always wanted." To, I know Ace was the one who came up with the group name. Or Hoosier Apex is like a dialect in the southern part of Indiana. Apparently, it's like this. It's called the Hoosier Apex dialect. He just thought that name sounded dope for a, you know, if I ever had a super group from Indiana, that's what I'd name it. And that's a dope name. And we became, yeah, that's that's how the name came about. But it was just us talking online about, hey, we should do a project, you know, Indiana based. And so we, how did, I don't know if we all picked samples for this. I know I picked the the sample selection for the the final track, the Chips and Dip joint. <laughs> it seems like we all picked production and topics 
like to discuss like hey uh sample i know i i know i threw him the sample for chips and dip and, and the concept was, i was the one who came come up with the concept and, and pitched it to them all so let's write on this and uh i think that's kind of how we did each and every song the four songs right is is one of us threw up through the topic out there and, and, and did the jump off and 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 it came to came to be what it was so um i really like that that was one of my like i felt like when level up type deal i felt like that i thought that was it's unfortunately really it ended up only being four songs so it's like fuck it we're just gonna put it out as it is it's a project and right. um always wanted it to, to i always wanted to do a follow-up and eventually make a full length of it and just never never came to be is it possible still or is it i would say so i still talk to i i don't know about Brandon. i haven't he's he's a he's a professor at university and i, I know he uh, he's not putting out anything in recent years, but I mean, I feel like once you're an artist, you're always an artist. So it's probably possible. We're all on good terms. I, I talk to Cook on a regular basis. Every now and again, I reach out to Ace. He's still out in L.A. and still doing production. Um, so and I know he'd be game for it because, you know, it's nothing but love there. Uh, so it's possible. Sure. Gotcha. So I wanted I forgot to ask you a question when we were talking about like your origin story um and how you got into into the hip hop game. Um cuz I know that I wasn't initially into hip hop. You know, I I was into metal first and then eventually I got into hip hop. I mean, hip hop was around me cuz I was in New York, but I mean, I wasn't like following it like like other people were. Um right. were you into other things too like metal and punk and all that? Um with Yes, um, coming up in the 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 details of the how I got into rap. I mean, I was into music in general. I remember listening to my mom's forty five or forty fives when I was a kid. Uh, but really, the first music that I really fell in love with was rap music. And my my older brother was also into rap music, uh, mid eighties, early eighties. We you know both watched OMT raps and were into it. One day, my brother hit a light. You know, when you're young, you just kind of latch on the trends, right? One day, my brother just hit a light switch. He started started to like metal more and and he's just like one day he's like you know what i hate fuck rap i'm a metal head you can have all my rap tapes like literally it was like he just hit a switch one day and he gave me like this and he had this mad he had a master because he had a job you know a job at a source he had a massive bunch of rap tapes and and i inherited all of his <laughs> that's dope, so man. i liked he would show me metal all the time that he was into and i would only some of it, it just wouldn't resonate, but there right. would be certain things that would. So, like, I would, you know, liked a little bit of shit. I'm like, okay, that I, I dig that. I liked Overkill. I liked Slayer's uh, season in the, Seasons in the Abyss. I like Pantera, Vulgar, Vulgar Display of Power. So, like, different records I'd like, and then, then that'd be one I'd listen to uh, if I wanted to listen to metal. Um, as I went to university and, you know, dabbled in the, the, the doses era, uh, I really started to expand my, my musical palette. I started listening to really more experimental stuff and uh, more left field stuff. I got really big into Ween um, yeah. and uh, just all types of, you know, different uh, left field experimental music. So I'm, I'm pretty open book. Uh, I've always been a rap head. I mean, at right. the core, I, I listen to, you know, rap music, hip hop 90% of the time. But I, I do dabble and listen to all types of music. Uh, now, I you know, my wife, me and my wife share a lot of similar tastes uh, in some music where she like, she, 
she'll there's a lot of stuff she'd be like shut that shit off <laughs> like yeah. that i listen to i got you yeah but yeah. most of the stuff she listens to i did right. so i got you how, how how long have you been married we 20 20 it would be 22 years of 23 in october that's cool i'm i'm hit i'm gonna hit 27 in a week so nice <laughs> yeah Congrats. Oh, I want you to do something, okay? So, you do you know? Um, I know you know Rain and Blood Slayer's album, Rain and Blood. Yep. Okay, so you, it was released on Def Jam and it was produced, you know, by Rick Rubin, right? Right, right. So, I want you to listen to it like this. It's the f- listen to it like it's the first hardcore rap album, okay? Because Tom Mariah, the lead singer, literally, if you listen to it, he raps on that album. No shit. And and if you listen to like the 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 tempo of I mean because it's really it's like one of the fastest albums ever but if you listen to the tempo of it it's pretty much it's a hip hop album dude yeah <laughs> I need to revisit the hip hop album dude <laughs> I need to revisit it I definitely yeah. I definitely wasn't ready for it because what year did that drop right eighty six eighty six okay I think so yeah eighty six Rain and Blood Seasons in the Abyss I think it was eighty eight or something eighty seven eighty eight okay or something. Yeah, I need to you know, I'll revisit it then that's dope. Okay, yeah, check that. it out, man. Because I was listening okay. to it the other day, and I mean, he raps in that shit, man. <laughs> and there's times where the, the tempo slows down. It's very, very much hip hop. But anyway, um, how would you describe your style if you had to describe your style to someone? How would you describe your style as an man, artist, not just as an MC, just as an artist in general? Uh, oh, man, it's that's difficult. I. As an artist, I, I I say my my style is kind of stream of conscious, uh, at abstract surrealism, or, or avant garde, uh, experimental. I would use terms like that. I guess uh, I I just you know whatever. I try to dig deep. I I'm, I'm not a when it comes to as far as how I write. I it's hard for me to to write in a. In, I have a lot of respect. Sometimes I, I get in my own head that so I'm not on that level because I can't write like so and so because I would love to be able to write a, a really descriptive story, but that's not me. You know, that's not how I end up putting pad to pen when I'm writing. You know, I, I end up just kind of uh, digging deep. I try to I try to take tiny observations and, and piece together like you know songs that way and but, but sort of tell a story but in a, in a in like an otherworldly way, right? So, I got gotcha. you. Anyway. And so, like, who did you pattern your style off of if you had to choose someone? I, I don't want to say copy because, I mean, every right. every like you said in, in the beginning, every artist starts off imitating their favorites and then eventually they branch off and do their own thing. But who would right. you say your style is very comparable to or influenced you? Man, I, 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 I that's hard. Because I feel like it's a, I think it's a really a building block of all right. the artists I've listened to over the years. Uh, I and I try to I, I you know that's when I when I really look within I that's I feel like that I can't I because I'm always really trying to you know not sound like someone else always just to be my true self. But I feel like when it comes to like how I you know pattern my bars or you know and stuff I'm I'm definitely taking influences from. Like you know, freestyle fellowship and you know the Anacon guys and right. you know hieroglyphics and and all these like you know mega influences, but also you know the golden era shit that I come up on you know and and the freaking uh, the booty bass you know the MC <laughs> Shides and and, right. and shit like that that I you know grew up listening to, so like I 
I really say I can't pin it down to one particular one. And I try to do that. I don't know. If, I don't know if it comes across in the music, but I'm always trying not to make every song sound the same, especially on a particular project. I, I, I want want d- different emotions and, and, and you know, tempos and, and stuff. Right. I, I'm a I'm a all over the place. Maybe it's ADHD. I don't know what it is. I'm all over the place type of guy when it comes to the type I like to the type of music I like to listen to. Uh, so that's what I kind of try to recreate. I, I, I want to keep things interesting and 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 not to say there's not a place for something with a with a specific and, and kind of continuous mood throughout a record. But I, I'm a really scatterbrained guy, and that's that's when it comes to my creations. That's that's how it comes across, and way I like it. So I got you, brother. And and so when it comes to like again being an artist, uh, are there any particular? Uh, themes or messages in your lyrics anything that you kind of uh go back to often when you when you write in your stuff um not i mean just person like i said more pers- personal i try to it's it's a lot of mental uh you know like you know i try i try to keep music i try to make the music fun and and thematically i mean, i am talking about you know how generally how i feel you know about the world and how i how i view it and 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 yeah, I just, it, I don't know if there's like topically, I try to, I, you know, I don't, I don't try to s- talk about the same shit over and over again. I, but I, I think I do generally, you know, I guess uh, a lot of it's kind of psychology stuff, I guess, like I, I, human psychology is really interesting to me and, and, and what makes people tick and, and how we interact with others. So I, I, I think I have a general theme of, of, of how the human mind works and, and how we interact, you know, together as a species. And, and, and so I, I feel like that's a common theme across right. the board with all my stuff. So, so you would say that like, there's no throw, throwaway rhymes. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as that. Cause I mean, I, I try not to take myself too seriously. So I, yes, I mean, I, I am, I like to play with words. So, when you say throwaway rhymes, yeah, I mean, I, that, like I said, that Dunn record was me coming home and just, I didn't, I, I would have probably thrown away all those rhymes really if I, <laughs> if I allowed myself to do that, but I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to, because I, I think people receive music or, or it impacts people in different ways. Like, you know, I'll put out a record and be like, oh man, that's the joint. This is the song. These are going to be the three hits on that song, in that album. But then I, then you you listen to it and you tell me that you know no oh man this is the jam and I wouldn't have thought that was you know right. so it's like I feel like if you, yeah I just I do whatever comes natural what make I do this shit for fun and uh, if it if it hits it hits if it doesn't it doesn't and it's on to the next one type deal so I don't I mean yeah I'm not I don't get I'm not too egotistical to think that my shit's not can't not be throw away because I I'll, I'll throw away I got you, you know. I'll put shit out there that probably should have been thrown away. <laughs> I got you, man. So as an independent artist from the beginning, uh, talk about some of the challenges that you've had to face, like some of the glaring challenges as an independent artist, like the obstacles that you constantly kind of ran into. Yeah, uh, yeah, just standing out amongst the an ever like growing sea of artists right you know there's just uh there's always i mean i'm, I'm like i said i'm a pretty humble dude I, I i know i'm not you know on a level of some of my peers and 
artists that I'm really big into. So it's just like standing out amongst this bunch of people that are making great music. You know, I mean, I feel like there's for every very popular artist, there's a hundred artists that nobody knows about that are, that are 10 times better than that popular artist, you know? So not to say I'm 10 times better than a popular artist, but I'm just saying it's just standing out, I guess. And yeah, getting, getting heard amongst the herd. Right. All right. But you got to at least think that you're 10 times better than some artists out there. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's a matter of perspective. It's whatever right. you like, you know, whatever you're into. So. And, and what, what were some of the things that you learned from, from uh, being an independent art, uh, artist and having to face these obstacles that you, let's say if you were to give somebody advice that's coming up, like, well, what would you, what would you yeah, tell them? Like, yeah, Don't man, do uh, this. Right. Uh, man, I, I'm the last guy to be giving anybody any type of advice on on how to how to do it properly, but I guess one the the stuff I've learned along the way is 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 you got to figure out how to do things for yourself. And if you're trying, if you're you know if you're trying to make a living off this, for one, I it's I stop taking advice now because I I'm not making a living off of it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, hey, that conversation's over right there. <laughs> right, but you know what I'm saying if you're I mean if, or if you if you're you're I have learned, like I found, I've found more comfort nowadays in, 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 in not in setting, not setting high expectations for everything. I guess it would be my advice to like a young budding artist. I had really high expectations with Fly Your Favorite, right? I took my entire tax check and pressed a hundred, no, a thousand CDs uh, at the time. I still have a box of those, a thousand CDs, or maybe a box and a half of of flyer favorites still well i have on one yeah well if you need another brother i got a stack of it <laughs> maybe it's down to a box but yeah i mean but that was giving away three of those boxes of you know 10 boxes or whatever right. at least so i mean i had really high expectations and ambitions at first and it's not now you know and that's depressing I, i've taken a lot of hiatuses uh with my music because it didn't stick like i thought it would stick or where I'd start to get some momentum and oh, starting to develop a fan base, and then just boom, that fan base dies off like on the next release type deal. Rebranding does a lot for that too. Like when you know joining the random art projects and and creatures of habit, it's almost like you really are starting anew in this online world when you right. when you rebrand or join a group and your name isn't like front and center. So a lot of that momentum is just lost instantly. And uh, I found now like as an artist in my 40s late 40s at that that i'm happy just to be able to create and, and i'm trying right. to do it just for just because i enjoy it and like with no expectations i i, I want to make a i want to make a dope project i want people to like it i want to let you know i want to put it out there and, and hopefully pe it'll resonate with people but for the most part all that shit aside i it, as long as um i'm able to do this and, and, and do it for me and that's that's all that matters to me and i I try to keep that you know perspective yeah that's what i've noticed a lot about the artists that i've talked to the artists that i follow too is the fan base is so fickle but also the culture which which i want to get into with you is uh how it's uh changing i don't i don't some of my friends get mad at me because I say there's no hip hop culture. They say there is. And I understand what they're saying, that there's still people like yourself and them. They still put out material, but it doesn't have the same weight of that golden age. Because to me, OK, so like. The 80s hip hop was being introduced to everyone, it was blowing up. 
Then in the 90s, it kind of, there was like the schism. You had like the commercial and you had the underground, right? But the underground, to me, they were able to sustain themselves. They, they were doing shows, they were touring, they were going overseas, all of that. And then it seemed like they were about to break through and literally the dick got slapped in the dirt. A lot of artists and groups split. And then there was like this, there wasn't this passing down of the baton. And now you have this new culture where you have this snitch rap, mumble rap stuff that's just, on my honest opinion, is fucking horrible. You got people making millions off of just garbage music, uh, peddling, you know, the worst things that you could to kids and all this stuff. Like, how do you feel about about uh, the culture now? I have, I, I have mixed feelings. I, I'm with you. I feel like it's the... With the... With every every generation, just shit changes, right? And I, I feel like now with the internet, and, and now it's becoming more of a, you know, it, in, the early, in the late '90s, it was it was just this new exciting frontier. Now it's allowed for just all these different facets or, or different hip hop related subgenres, so to speak, come 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 to, to light. So I, I'm with you that there's. It feels like a bit of a lack of culture. I feel like some of the, you know, nostalgic fellas like myself are like with the pandemic and everybody was like forced into their homes and we all started to kind of reconnect with old friends and, and artists. Cause Hey, we have a, a little extra free time. We can, we can, you know, put, put together a song, you know, we're not like, I didn't have to commute back and forth to work. Uh, right. I feel like it kind of sparked a bunch of artists from that era when it was really, I felt like the culture was budding and yeah, like you said, it kind of got slapped back down. Um, so I, I don't know, man, it's, I'm with you. I, 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 hip hop just celebrate 50 years though. You know, I mean, uh, I think this, this culture exists. It's just, it's grown so much that, you know, you, you, it's sort of created this sort of, you know, now pockets of different, types of hip hop you don't you can't be a fan of all of it right i mean right the and i don't even hate on like the shit that you're calling garbage like all of it like i've found some of the newer stuff that i really sat down and kind of forced myself to kind of like try to listen to it from a kid's lens you know like okay this is we're talking like these are you know this is a, a, a 20 some year old guy what would i be rapping about you know, in this new world, you know, in this new generation, like, you know, there's the world's different now. Right. Um, I get and now they've got all these things at their fingertips that they can create with that we didn't have. We had to be more innovative and we had to we had to, you know, really make do with what we had. So there was a lot more. It seems like maybe rawness to what we were doing back in our day because we had to make do. But now they yeah, they have the possibilities are endless with what they can do with with uh, the technology at their fingertips and you can make some pretty fucking dope beats on their fucking phones now um i i I don't know like culture is kind of a it i've never been like i said i've always been this dude in rural indiana that that was infatuated with this culture that was kind of an outsider of anyway so i'm looking at it from a different lens than someone who might be a purist that was you know born in a city and 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 came up and and hip-hop culture and had a community of, of others that were involved in the culture so 
so from an outsider looking in, like I find my ways to find, you know, what part of the culture I want to be a part of. And, and, and I think it's, 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 I feel it's alive and well, I've got a, you know, I've got a Rolodex of 50 homies that I stay in touch with probably that right. are heavily involved in this music and art and, and are, are still trying to do stuff and, and take it, always take it to another level. So uh, it's, and, and when I say another level, it's, 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 not necessarily means blowing up it just means you know you know continuing to do it for as long as we can until we die you know it's ideal so do you see it returning ever having that golden age ever again or you think that's gone or is or is this is this the new golden age for the next generation i maybe yeah there's i feel like it's always there's always going to be elements of the past that kind of come back into favor but there's always going to be yeah, different phases. Like I, I, yeah, it's, I mean, aging is what, you know, I think Epic had a record aging is what friends do together. Like we're, <laughs> I mean, we're aging, you know, and, and like, Hey, the, the next generation of kids are going to be doing something different from the, the their predecessors. And it's, is what it is. We can't be stuck in the past. We've got like, hopefully I'm seeing some, you know, promising signs with some of the newer music for, for some of the younger generation is doing some, uh, you know, it gets watered down for a minute and then people start to like, wait, that's bullshit. You know, it can be done in a much more creative way than that. So I even think with like the mumble and traps scene, there's some artists that kind of stand out in that, that like, okay, wait, this guy's doing something a little more creative than the, than the other guys, you know? And so, uh, anyway, I think it, I, it, it ebb and flows, right? I think, uh, I, I, when you say golden era, you know, that's who define golden era, you know, we, we, you know, I I really liked the era of the late '90s and the early 2000s, but right. also the you know, I also can you know fall back. Uh, 1988 was a fucking great year for you know rap music, hip hop. That was when I really, really was. You know, Yo MTV raps came on MTV, and it was like, oh, everything I heard was like amazing and new and fresh. Yeah. So I feel like yeah, there will always be. You know, and, and it's how it, it resonates with you at your you know. It's a kid, kind of a kid game, right? When like you're discovering music at a young age, so yeah, the next generation will probably have what, what they consider the golden age, and yeah, maybe some of them when they turn 30, 40, be like, man, when little wee wee was coming out, man, <laughs> little wee wee, oh. <laughs> it ain't like that anymore. It ain't like that, right? They're gonna be like, yeah, this new new music sucks. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> All right, so before we 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 call it a day, um, I want to switch gears here, right? Because okay. I mean, I am a fan of like paranormal and conspiracy. Have you had anything weird happen? Seen anything weird in the sky? Ghosts, shadow people, any cryptids, Bigfoot? You know, you run into any weird shit? Like, what did you think of the scandemic? I mean, not yeah, not as far as paranormal, I I can't say. I mean, that I've have ever experienced anything like that i used to be kind of into that show when i was younger i was just not you know i'm so busy with my with my work and life and and music is kind of my infatuation and then so i i uh not i can't i don't think anything paranormal has ever i've experienced anything paranormal what i think of the would you call it the scamdemic yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was uh i don't know we got through it i feel like uh, hopefully we're on the other side of uh, of it uh, I'm not gonna formulate an opinion of what how it started or or 
or whatever. I did what I one thing that bothered me about it all is because I uh the divides it caused uh yeah. in, in our country specifically in general. We were already divided, I think, uh so you know, socially to a degree and and kind of the media and politics does that by by design, I feel. And I felt like that even more so the pandemic caused even deeper divides amongst people, whether, you know, to vax or not to vax. And, you know, and it's like, do you, you buy into science now? You know, like I, I'm, you know, I believe in science, but, you know, you know, anyway, some of my good friends, we, you know, had big, you know, heated debates over it. And I think it like probably allowed to, you know, really divide some families. Yeah. Um, so I, my biggest takeaway is that it, it's, it's fucked up that, I, that we get so deep into our own beliefs that we can't like see things from other people's perspectives and just like, Hey, you know, we all had to make a decision for our own selves and families, whether, whether we, you know, what we thought was the right path forward when we're in a living a really fucking scary dystopian times. Right. So uh, we're all going to die. Yep. Whether it be by a pandemic or by a, by a, you know, a vaccination or, you know, so it is what it is. I got you, my man. So la- last thing, um, what's next for Itabolus and Audio Recon? What, what do you have planned or what are you working on now? Um, we're working on the, the new done project. Uh, like I said, just got one, one track deep into that. I'm working on a, a new record with the dreadnoughts, as I mentioned earlier. That should be dope. Um, it it is dope thus far. Uh, we're it's basically an album's length right now. I think it's just some final touches. I need some maybe some more vocals and some parts. Um, I have a project I was recording on this morning that uh, with uh, producer Dren from Saskatoon. Um, that is going to be like this little. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to release it free. It's a it's homage to a to a classic. Well, I say classic, but it's a very rare Indiana Psych private press record. Um, that's this year would be its 50th anniversary. It's also hip hop's 50th anniversary. I always wanted to have uh, some producers sample this record called Zerfus. Uh, so I've got Dren has produced this for me, and, and I'm actually pitching it to Oblio to to do some vocals on as well. And I got uh, in the bag and getting ready to. I think we're gonna I, tentatively. I'll go ahead and this would be the probably. I don't know when this is gonna drop, but uh, the first announcement of it. But in May. I have a project called Fresh Air with the producer Rove from Saskatoon. He's also a dope graffiti artist from Fredo Files and uh, CBS Crew. Um, he, and uh, AWOL One, uh, also Sharon MC. Uh, AWOL One from the Shapeshifters? Shapeshifters. Yeah. The Globe. Yeah. yeah. Legendary. So it's like pretty huge honor for me to be on a record with with AWOL. Uh, so we call it Fresh Air A. For Ay, and R for Rove, and that record's in the back. It's just a short EP. Uh, we're going to be releasing it on vinyl, uh, and uh, probably some CDs as, as well. Um, and I think early May is when that's dropping. Audio Recon got a lot of stuff in the works, man. I don't know. Uh, audio Recon uh, It's that label. I focus mostly on the other artists. My solo shit is, is back burner. Just pet project stuff but you know with the fresh air project would be probably the first vinyl that I, I i put out on the label of my own stuff um but uh we have can't announce 
I've got some stuff in the work that that we can't really talk about. Uh, so, who who are some of the artists on on Audio Recon that um, we should look out for? Yeah, I would say Audio Recon. Just this the back backstory behind the label in general. It's not a like we don't have like a dead the artists artists are freelance, right? We, I put out music by you know artists I love. So some of the stuff is reissue work, and, and some of it, some new records. So uh, I I wouldn't call us like in the old sense of a label where you know they were you know these people were loyal to this label. I've released records by people that release records with other labels too and stuff. Um, Serengeti is kind of from Chicago, uh, is an artist that I've worked with since the inception of audio recon as a physical format label and about 2017 was when i took over the label and started putting out physicals serengeti was like how we really got our start 10 years after we were our label you know in in the digital world and shit so uh always scheming with dave with serengeti he's he's one of the most dynamic artists i know uh Anybody who's you know, knows Serengeti knows he he's super diverse and you never know what to expect from him. I mean, he, I guess he's some, he has different characters he goes or, or different styles of music. He'll have like a series of things. He you know he does the Kenny Dennis side of Dave, which is his storytelling personality. Are you familiar with his work at all? No, I'm not at all. I've heard of the oh, name. Wow. I, oh I'm man, never... you need to you need to take a deep dive, my brother. He's like he's got a deep catalog and he's all over the place so it's like if you hear something you don't like you let me know i'll tell you not to check out this this and this but you should check out this this and this <laughs> like you. he's 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 all over the place stylistically works with a ton of different producers uh so always have stuff in the work with him i've, I've reissued his past work I've, he, he's got something new in the works that i might be releasing we've been talking about um i just dropped a seven inch with him that's uh more a pop kind of, he does some stuff that's like pop uh kind of left field pop rap stuff ish. He, he does do some sing songy stuff, stuff that you couldn't really category categorize as hip hop. But as my homie chap says, like if you, if you've ever done a rap or a rap album, you're always a rapper or you're right. always hip hop. Even right. if you're doing a punk album or. <laughs> or right, right. Album. I agree. <laughs> so, so like Slayer, they're, 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 they're hip hop now for life. Cause they've done right. a, a rap <laughs> record. Right. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, we got uh, AWOL One's new records come. It's already the pre-orders out there. The, uh, Scribble Face uh, is his new record, which is a phenomenal record. It was, we're lucky to to work with him on that. I partner with uh, my homie Sean in LA, who runs Ooh That's Heavy Records on a lot of these West Coast dudes uh, releases. Um, and there were, I mean, there, most of the stuff I've got in the works. I really there some of the stuff's not announced yet, but we've got a lot of a lot of albums in the works. Last year alone i think i released 22 vinyl wow records on the label and stuff i think it was a pretty freaking crazy year uh so we have a i don't know take a dive man we deep deep yeah. catalog we're, we're uh yeah we we reissued the eli's great crow and, and and as they passed was that all last year great crow was last year as they passed was the year before but we've been doing these luxury gatefold uh their heavy back vinyl we did the same for the escape artist first record um they're a little pricier but it's a, a it's worth know, it it's though a, yeah collectors i'm their gold foil yeah. stamp and shit really nice like quality records and shit so uh yeah um I'm trying to think of any releases i can really talk about uh 
there, there's definitely lots of stuff in the works behind the scenes. Um, actually getting ready to launch a website. Uh, that's going to be, a, it's not, it's not an audio recon page. I'm, I'm taking over an old uh, web store uh, that will be sort of a storefront for my label and other people's right. labels. Cause I collab with a lot of different labels across the globe uh, to make these records happen. You know, uh, it's, it's a tougher game nowadays. If we have to scale back pressings, and regionally, it's getting really tough for shipping. You know, it's like $30 to ship a record overseas. We're trying to find strategic ways to release records because, you know, the, the fan base for the stuff we do is, is pretty sparse. You know, you 20 guys maybe checking for a record in the U.S. We're 20 guys in Canada are checking for the same record and, and until same exactly. in Europe. So it's like to, to spread the love, we're, we're trying to be strategic and, and team up with each other. And so this, this website I'm working on is going to be uh, kind of like a, a resurgence of what we were talking about earlier those old uh you know mail order sites we're going to try to try to see if that'll have a footing in this new age where people are starting to kind of get nostalgic and and, and and get back into physical formats where some of us never got over it and, and dude I, I, as much as i love digital because of like the say the sound and the easy access i still love physicals i love to see the liner notes the artwork you know that sort of stuff. So I I right. think that it's uh it's gonna come back, right? And it, I feel like we really got like the last two years. I've I've seen it. The, the label's grown. It's been you know obviously the artists I'm working with are uh, have some have developed their own fan bases and shit. And, I, and with with each artist that I release something by, they they uh they bring another subset of their fan base that's following, looking for what we're doing. And yeah, we're finding like minded individuals that totally feel the same way they want they want to touch and feel their music and and i i could care less about that i mean i like the same way i listen to digital music but i i'm not trying to to be someone's broker and, and release their music digitally that's it's so easy for an artist to do that themselves nowadays right I'm trying to help someone bring their shit to physical format so and we find ways that we all pitch in together and make it happen so so sometimes i'm you know 50 50 with a with an artist to just to get them, you know, get the record pressed, and and then on the strength of their fan base, we we try to recoup the funds and move on to the next one, man. So, all right, my brother, thank you so much for doing this, man, and uh, you know, keep me in touch with with all the projects. Um, I'm gonna check out Serengeti and his stuff, but yeah, bro, keep doing your thing, man, and thank you, man, appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man, and uh, big shouts to you. I'm glad you reconnected with me. Yeah, yeah. keep keep in touch. I'll I'll follow your podcast and listen to it. Hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to scale this one down to a manageable. Yeah. No, no, it, it, there's no, no, there's no such thing, dude. I'm gonna cut out the part where you had to go get the power cord, but that's other than that, everything's staying in, bro. Oh no, well, I'm sorry for your listeners, man. No, man, no, they need to know who you are, man. Need to know id obelis, not id obelis. Id hey, obelis. What it, however you want to say it. Appreciate it, brother. All right, brother. Much love. All right, you too. Peace, Peace. out, brother. <laughs>